Welcome to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. Hello, welcome to today's episode. If you are a woman who has ever had challenges with metabolism, weight, dieting, nutrition, or working out, you will want to listen to this episode. Today, my guest, Michelle Reachman, and I discuss how she turned her health around after having four kids and a busy schedule. And she gives some really amazing tips on addressing things like food cravings that can hold us back from weight loss, how to motivate yourself to exercise, specific exercises that you should and should not focus on as you age, and lifestyle factors impacting weight and so much more. And a little bit about my guest, Michelle is a personal trainer, a yoga teacher, and a health coach with her doctorate in physical therapy. She is the host of the Healthy Beyond 40 podcast, and she helps women who have put themselves on the back burner, finally get in shape, optimize their metabolism, and lose weight for good without dieting. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super happy to have you. Michelle, for people who don't know you, can you share some of your journey in discovering this big passion that you have for wellness, how you got to where you are today, and just a little bit more about what you do currently? Yeah. So I've always had a passion for wellness and health. I went to school for physical therapy, so I have my doctorate in that, and I was even a personal trainer along the way, but currently I have four kids. But after my third kid, I was going up a flight of stairs and I was out of breath and was like, something has to change. I'm only in my thirties. I don't want to live my life like this, but it was hard. I had three little kids and it's really hard to find the time for yourself. And really, whether you have kids or not, it gets tricky because we get so busy. So I'm like, okay, I only want to go up a flight of stairs. That doesn't take very long. How can I put this into my house. So I started with 10 minute workouts. I didn't need to do something long. I started with simple changes in my nutrition and I was able to lose that extra weight. I was able to get back in shape without overcomplicating things. We live in such a diet driven culture that we think things have to be super strict and we have to follow something when we don't, we can start to take small steps and really take a habits based approach to our health. So that is what I do for my clients. And that is what I love sharing with people. Mm -hmm. Amazing. How long did it take you? I mean, after having four kids, like how long on your journey was it before you felt like, okay, after having kids and being in my thirties where you felt optimal again? Yeah, really after making those changes, I would say within a few months. And that was after three kids. Um, So my third kid is, he is 11 years old now. So, but even after my fourth, it's the same thing that we always have to 
readjust and reevaluate things because health is a journey. It's not like you do something and your health is fixed and you don't need to do it anymore. We constantly have to move our bodies. We have to fuel our bodies with good food and we have to exercise a little bit. We don't have to exercise a lot. So it's sort of readjusting as we go through different changes in our life. Um, but we can start to see some of those changes pretty quickly if we are consistent with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say? You kind of mentioned one just now, but what would you say are some big misconceptions about um, exercise and, and metabolism and how to manage that as you're aging? Yeah. So I think one misconception is we think that we have to exercise a lot. We sort of have been fed that we need to do cardio. We need to burn off those calories we're eating and cardio is not necessarily bad. It's, it's great for our heart and great for our system. But a lot of women find that when they exercise a lot, especially when they start from nothing and then they try to do a lot of cardio, that it actually strains their metabolism because what happens is it bumps up our hunger hormones. And so if we work out for a long period of time after that, you might notice that you are more hungry and that's good because we want to keep that energy in our body. So then we eat more and then we can't really quite lose weight and then we feel stuck then we end up stopping, then we end up eating more. And then we're sort of on this vicious cycle versus if we just exercise a little. So my favorite exercise, especially from a metabolism standpoint is strength training, because when we put on muscle, that is going to burn more calories when we're doing nothing. And especially as we're thinking about aging, we want to make sure that we are putting on muscle because as we get older, it gets a little bit harder to put on muscle, but we can help that by making sure that we're strength training, making sure that we're eating enough protein because those are the building blocks of building muscle. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a few things I want to unpack there. Let's go with protein first. I see a lot of women under eat protein as well. So I'm just curious, like, what does that typically look like for people that you're working with? Where should people try to get their protein intake to, to support their weight and metabolism? Yeah. So it's based on your body weight. So I go through this with my clients and break that down. But what we find is that the recommendation by the U S government is really a minimum amount to keep your body functioning. It is not to keep your body functioning at optimal health. It's just to keep it functioning. So we have this minimum requirement and then we want to go above that if we want better functioning, if we want to build muscle. And it also depends on your activity level. So it can be a range. And again, it's based on your body weight. So someone that is 200 pounds is going to have a different goal versus someone that's 150 pounds. So we mm -hmm. need to adjust for those different things and adjust for our activity level and our goal. Protein can also be very satiating or filling. So especially someone who is wanting to lose weight, it can help with that. And we think if we're not eating protein, what are most of us eating? We are eating carbohydrates and typically more refined or processed fats. Mm -hmm. And so when we eat that, that's what we get. We get sort of that sad American diet where we're not really fueling our body with nutrients. So it's not that carbohydrates are bad, but when our diet is mainly carbohydrates and especially refined carbohydrates, we're not fueling our body. It's not going to help our metabolism work well. And those different hormones that function in our body that leads to gaining weight or losing weight. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, I definitely see with my clients, I, I do gut testing and I'll see people who eat, who love to eat a lot of carbohydrates will have candida overgrowth or my microbial overgrowth. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole different story, which can also impact your hormones and lead to problems with metabolism and weight as well. With, with protein specifically, when you say protein, what are some, what are a few sources that you think are best for most people to consume? Yeah. So obviously animal proteins are an easy one. They're also Mm -hmm. a complete protein. So within a protein, we have amino acids and animal proteins will have that full span of all those amino acids. So those are easy animal proteins also tend to be very just high in protein without other things versus like, if you're having beans, you get protein in it. You're also having carbohydrates and other things, which isn't bad, but it's a very concentrated source of protein. Um, eggs can also be a great source and also nuts and seeds will have some, they're also going to be higher in fat. Um, and also beans and legumes will also have some protein in it too. Okay, great. Um, you also talk about this concept of, or this is how you work with your clients is the concept of losing weight without dieting. So explain that a little bit further. How does that work to not diet, but still lose weight? Yeah, great question. So we, like I said, at the beginning, we're in such a diet driven culture. That's all we think we have to do to lose weight. If we want to lose weight, we're looking up what diet, what do I have to follow? What exactly do I have to do that? It's this one way street to lose weight. Um, So I also have a podcast called healthy beyond 40 and all on there. I'm talking about these different ways to really find sustainable weight loss. So how can we start to lose weight and do it in a healthy way? Because a lot of times when we follow a super strict diet and we can't continue with that, it's not sustainable. So I always encourage people that if you want to start something, can you continue it? There are times where you may want to follow a diet for a certain health condition or something like that. And that's different, but here I'm just talking about health or weight loss Mm -hmm. because we want to be able to continue that. Cause so many people have followed a strict diet. They lose weight when they're losing that weight. Cause they're typically doing it pretty drastically. They're also losing muscle mass. And then what happens is when they go off that diet, When we lose muscle mass, remember that slows down our metabolism. And then we go back to eating the same things. And then we put on more fat. We have less muscle mass, repeat the cycle. We're losing muscle mass along the way, instead of taking a slow and steady approach. So I like to use habits with my clients. So it depends with each client, what they need to work on. Maybe one client needs to work on, they're not eating any vegetables right now. So how can we work on, maybe their goal is two a day three a day, maybe someone else is five, whatever it is. How can we just focus on that one thing to start to eat healthier, to start to be healthier? Because when you do enough of these healthy habits, the weight loss is going to come because these healthy habits are going to impact your hormones. It's going to impact your gut health and these different things that will function better for somebody. Maybe they're still drinking soda or sweetened drinks. And first they need to get off of that. So how can they just focus on that for a little bit? and then add something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about the mindset around these choices? Because I feel like it can definitely be challenging for some people to grasp that concept of, of changing their nutrition in that way. 
Um, are there any, like, how does attitude and mindset play a role in this whole story of trying to lose weight and um, be successful in it? Yeah. So one thing I think people commonly see when we come from that dieting perspective is that food is almost bad and exercise is a punishment. So Mm. I can't eat so much food because it's, it's bad for me. It's too many calories or I eat whatever I have to go exercise and burn it off and exercise becomes a punishment. So we get this real negative relationship with food and exercise when food is actually good for us. It fuels our body. We need it to function. We need it for our brain. We need it to sustain our body. We just need to eat the right foods and do that in a healthier way. And that doesn't mean it has to be perfect either. It means how can we shift a little bit more towards this? And then maybe in a year now, it's going to look different. And five years from now, maybe it's different. And that's okay for it to be a journey and to not be drastic. And so we want to work on that mindset because that leads all of the actions we take. And I have clients that come to me, they're like, what? Like, I, you only want me to do like these two things this week? Like, yes, absolutely. And what happens is they notice they have a couple struggles with just those two things that week. Nothing bad, but imagine if they were trying to drastically change so many things. So then we'll work through those struggles and keep working on those habits till they become easier. So Mm -hmm. it is, some people aren't ready to do that. Some people still just want to follow this black and white plan and that's where they are. But really, when we can start shift to a sustainable approach, a way to actually be healthy on the inside, because we can't really see the inside of our body, we can get our cholesterol tested, our blood pressure, we can test some things, but it's not like we see it. And it's not like it's apparent. And it typically takes a really long time to get a health condition to get diabetes to get high blood pressure. But there's this whole time before there where we have these lifestyle choices that can make a difference. And it goes back to this idea of health. It doesn't go back to an idea of, I have to follow this one diet to do this. Hmm. What if someone's fighting cravings and they keep like going back to eating, I don't know, sweets or drinking that soda? Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge one. And I think so many people try to skirt around this issue and you're going to end up in the same spot. So especially with emotional eating, so we might think of that stress eating too, but we're basically avoiding a certain emotion. So some people, it is feeling anxious about something. They're feeling stressed. They're feeling overwhelmed. So if people can start to connect an emotion with what triggers them, that's going to be the first step. And I have a couple episodes on my podcast about this, if anyone wants to listen to more. But when you can start to connect that feeling that you feel, because it's going to be different for everybody with that trigger to go eat. Mm -hmm. And then I like to tell people to create a pause because so many people, it's just, it's a loop in your brain. I feel this, I go and grab that. I'm not even thinking about it. It's just a habit. So starting to break that up. So acknowledging that emotion and then taking a pause. So you can start anywhere from one to five minutes where you're not going to grab that thing. You're going to take a pause. And when you first start this, it doesn't matter about the outcome. It's just teaching yourself to pause. And then eventually, how can I start to do things that might calm? I like to tell my kids, get my thinking brain on. How can I take deep breaths, go for a walk, do Mm -hmm. something else to start to change that outcome. But when you first start, you can't quite worry about that outcome because you just have to create 
that pause, you have to remember to do it. That's like the problem with so many things in life is we just don't remember to do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's where coaching comes into is where can we work through these? Because sometimes it stems back to childhood. Maybe you were like in, you had to clean your plate. Um, you might mm-hmm. also just have, you were given a treat whenever you were sad. And we have these different stories and these different triggers that if we just take some time to work through, then we can really experience freedom from that craving, from that trigger or emotional eating. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love everything you just said. (laughs) It is, there are so many different reasons that we can have those triggers. And, um, I love, I love the idea of, of the pause and then going to do something else. That's something that's been helpful for myself and my clients as well. You know, getting outside, getting out of that environment Mm -hmm. and food is, can be similar as, you know, having an addiction to smoking or these other, um, these other things in our lives. And, looking deeper into those roots of emotions is so important. And then another thing that I see is it could be even like a lack of sleep, for example, like if you don't sleep seven hours or more every night, then you are going to have increased hunger hormones and probably binge more on the foods you shouldn't. Or like I mentioned earlier with the eating the processed foods and having the, the microbial overgrowth in the gut or the fungal overgrowth, these gut bugs like actually will scream out to your brain kind of, and be like, Hey, go eat more sugar and feed me. And then we have certain foods that are super addictive, like sugar and sometimes gluten for people and dairy. And it like can take a little bit of time away from that food fully to really cut that, um, that addiction kind of that's lingering from like a, a chemical standpoint too. Yeah, absolutely. I can say I would like used to be addicted to cheese. Um, yes, but (laughs) yeah, like I couldn't just eat a little bit of it. Um, I had some autoimmune stuff start a couple years ago, so I don't eat it anymore, but yeah, it has like quite a pull and it's the same thing with sugar or gluten. It's different for everybody what it is, but it's a really strong pool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They I've, I've read somewhere that uh, sugar is like eight times more addictive than cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. So wild. Okay. So that's food. What about exercise? There's a lot of people out there who like don't exercise and they, they find it challenging to enjoy that process or even get started with that process. What are ways that somebody could either change their mindset or kind of get themselves more motivated to actually go do it? Yeah. So uh, first thing, so I like to distinguish between movement and exercise. So movement is just our steps and like, we're a pretty sedentary society. So we want to make sure that we're really filling that movement bucket up, that we are getting in more steps. And again, it doesn't have to be like 10,000 steps. It could be, where are you? And just bumping that goal up. So a goal would be anywhere from 10 to 20,000 steps. So we can see where we're at. And you just go from there. So we want to make sure we're sort of getting a lot of that movement in. And then with exercise, we want to get a little bit of exercise in. And again, you can start with five or 10 minutes. And especially if someone hasn't strength trained in a long time, or they're feeling out of shape, that's actually where I like to start them. Because how many people have exercise, done a 30 minute hour class, and we're so sore the next day, you couldn't walk up the stairs. Like mm-hmm. that is not what we want. We can have some muscle soreness and that's okay, but we don't want a lot of muscle soreness. So we need to 
go into it slowly. We need to learn how to do exercises correctly. For example, you don't want to start doing a squat and not do it correctly and then have muscle memory on doing it wrong. So we want to make sure that we are exercising correctly. So we're protecting our joints. So we're learning how to engage the right muscles. And I also think that you have to start with something you enjoy. So as you've heard me already, I favor strength training, and that can be with weights. It can be body weight. It can also be with yoga. That's a strength-based yoga, but also finding something you enjoy. So if you love dancing, start there. So if it's something you enjoy, go ahead and do that. I just had one of my clients. She's been working with me for a couple months and she's like, you know, I just haven't liked exercise that much. She trained for like a hundred mile bike ride and like his not wanted to do it ever since then. And she recently went roller skating with her kids and she's like, it was so fun. And she mm-hmm. ordered new skates, but it's really finding something that you enjoy. And then hopefully sneaking a little bit of the strength training in, even if that's only five or 10 minute sessions, a few times a week, of course you can bump it up more, but doing just that little bit. So you can really be building that muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are some, um, maybe more specific exercise tips or exercises for women who are getting older and maybe how that changes based on age range? Yeah. So really for the most part, there's nothing as we get older that should stop us from strength training or moving our bodies. It should actually be motivation to do it more because like I said, as we get older, we can start to lose muscle mass if we're not strength training, if we are not eating enough protein. Mm -hmm. So it should be encouragement to do more, to make sure that you are doing it correctly. Um, And I like to say with strength training, like a good range that feels good for most people is having a weight or an exercise that you can do eight to 15 reps. So when you start feeling that muscle burning, that is a signal that it is breaking down and rebuilding. That's what we want. And that eight to 15 reps, we really want to be able to do it with good form. So let's say I can do squats and I could do a few more, but my form is starting to not go so good. My knees are going above my toes. Even though I can do it, we need to stop because that means the correct muscles are fatigued and burned out. So I think just making sure that you are exercising correctly, that it depends on the person's personality. But if you're more of that drive hard person, you want to make sure that maybe you're taking a step back and learning how to do things correctly and really creating that good muscle memory within your muscles so that as you progress to harder exercises, you have those basic exercises down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, are there like a core few exercises that are, are good for a lot of people do like, like, are you a proponent of like everybody should do deadlifts or kettlebell swings or, or any of these foundational movements? Um, My one probably favorite exercise would be a pelvic tilt. So this is abdominal Mm. exercise, and this is where you learn how to engage your core. So there is a stomach muscle that goes across hip bone to hip bone. So it's going across your body above that. You sort of have your six pack abs and what it does, if you learn how to contract that lower part that goes from hip to hip, that's going to pull those six packs together. So for many women, 
when they're pregnant, we start to get that separation, which is normal in pregnancy. But after pregnancy, when we can learn how to train our core, engage the lower ab, zip these top abs together, that's where we get a stronger core. And a stronger core also means our stomach and our back muscles are working together. And we all don't want to be that person who picked a Kleenex up off the floor and blows out their back because mm. we want to make sure that we're training our stomach muscles and our back muscles at the same time. So learning how to do a pelvic tilt is really important because you're going to use it when you go to do a plank, when you are doing squats, when you're doing other exercises, it's very foundational to other movements to learn how to engage that core. So that would be my one favorite exercise. And then after that, I think it's really getting a variety of exercises because when you do different exercises, it works your muscles a little differently. So when you do a squat versus a lunge, you're going to feel that in different places. So trying to get a variety of exercises and hitting different muscle groups in your body, I think is what's most important. Okay. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the the pelvic tilt part. I think that's an area where many people can improve, including myself. <laughs> and I actually, I have an episode, um, I was trying to find it here. Yes. Episode 18. So quite a while ago on my podcast with Erica Zeal. And we talked, uh, she's all about like the core and helping women heal their bodies postpartum and taking care of the separation that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. I, I encourage everybody, like if you are curious a little bit more about that pelvic tilt, the core, maybe if you've had a baby or preparing to have a baby to definitely listen to that episode, cause it was very detailed in, in some of the steps on how to do that. Yeah. After my fourth child, Mm -hmm. well, this will go into what exercise not to do is mostly like sit-ups. So after my fourth child, I stopped doing sit-ups because especially if you don't know how to engage that lower part, when you do a crunch or sit-up, you're pulling your six pack abdominals apart. You're creating that space. Mm. Now, eventually, if you become more advanced, you can learn how to contract the lower pull it together and do that. But generally you don't want to do that. So after my fourth child, I stopped doing sit-ups and I trained my core this way. And I've had no separation after four kids. And even after my other kids, I had just a little bit. So it really makes a big difference. And I also, you can share it in the notes, but I have a free five-day core challenge and it's just five minutes a day. And it really goes over these basic things of how do I actually do that pelvic tilt and how do I also strengthen my back so my stomach and back can work together. And that's a freebie um, on my website, but it gives you that basic knowledge to get started and sort of teaches you how to progress it too. Okay. Can you, we'll definitely put them in the, in the links in the show notes. Um, if you were to give away a little bit of information, would you say that learn how to do the pelvic tilt and then core wise do like planks or is that like a much better exercise than doing sit-ups? Yeah. So I pretty much would not do sit-ups unless there's some reason I can't tell you what to do and not to do, but Mm -hmm. I don't do sit-ups. I don't have my clients do it. And you really have to learn the foundation. And in that core challenge, it will walk you through some different exercises. Like how can I do this pelvic tilt? So it's contracting my lower stomach muscles. So I got that down. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to bring like my knees up to 90 degrees. Am I able to hold that position? Then I'm going to maybe do toe taps with my knees bent. Can I control my lower abdominal muscle. So there's a little bit of a progression, 
And then after that, then I'm going to add in plank because plank's a little bit harder because you can't feel it as much. But when I do my plank, I want to be able to contract that lower stomach muscles, do that pelvic tilt while I'm in that plank. So I'm not getting that um, splay out of the stomach muscles where the abs separate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely put that in the show notes for everybody to learn more and go through that process. Yeah. What is there a specific age or time in life where you see women's metabolism really start to slow down and they're starting to struggle with weight more? Yeah, I think it can get harder in forties and fifties, sort of that perimenopause going into menopause, but something that's, there's a lot of stuff within lifestyle that is within our control within this time. And we so often think that it's just our hormones or just something else. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be that, but it's typically a combination of things. So what I see happening is that we are stressed and even just being stressed increases your cortisol, which can increase your blood sugar without even eating. Like stress Mm -hmm. has a huge impact on our body. It affects our gut. So women are stressed. We don't have enough time. A lot of people are working hard. Maybe they're taking care of their house, taking care of their kids. We have so many things on our list. We are at the very bottom of that. We are moving less than what we used to. I mean, if you just look at a two-year-old, even like my six-year-old, he like has boundless energy and can play tag and run and ride his bike and do all these things. I can't keep up with them. And as we get older, we just start to move less and less. And Mm -hmm. typically people aren't exercising very much. And if they're trying something nutrition-wise, they usually don't stay consistent with it or they're missing something like, you know, I've had people ask me like, are grapes bad? Like- don't, aren't they high in sugar? And then they're like having a margarita, like grapes Mm. aren't necessarily bad, but they're missing things that they're doing that are not helping their body nutrition wise. So when we put all these different lifestyle factors together, that has a big effect as we're going into our forties and our fifties, where we don't quite have all that movement and all those other things that were boosting our metabolism before. So I think that's a huge part. And of course, Um, as women, our hormones are going to change, but that doesn't mean that we have to give up or that's inevitable for us to gain weight. All these lifestyle factors make a huge difference. And it's something that we have control over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny. You brought up the grape and the margarita. I it's, it's common to like, for some people to hyper-focus on the foods. And we have so much information on social media nowadays, like meat's bad, meat's good, vegetables are bad, fruit's bad. And people get so confused and hyper-focused on that when it's like, okay, let's take a step back. I have to tell you about my favorite company to order all of my pasture-raised, grass-fed meats from. It's called U.S. Wellness Meats, and their farms are committed to sustainable, humane farming practices, which actually benefit our environment, unlike conventional farming practices. So I get a lot of people telling me that they cut out meat to be healthier, but I actually recommend the complete opposite. It's not meat in general that's unhealthy. It's the type and the quality of the meat that has the power to be inflammatory or anti-inflammatory and loaded with healthy nutrients. Due to modern farming practices, conventional meats have about two to three times higher levels of inflammatory omega-6 fats and two to three times lower 
anti-inflammatory omega-3 fats. Now, omega-6 fats are not problematic in themselves, but the ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s in conventional meats is undesirable and actually causes inflammation. So consuming pasture-raised, grass-fed meats are actually the opposite. They have a more balanced ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s, more conjugated linoleic acid, and this makes them more anti-inflammatory in nature. My favorite thing to order from this company is actually a blend where they take 75% beef and 25% organ meats. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's actually delicious. You can't taste the organ meats and you are basically taking one of nature's best vitamins because organ meats have just about every single nutrient you need to thrive. So head to the link in the show notes and go check out all of their high quality products and you can thank me later. Are you drinking alcohol? Are you sleeping? Are, are you stressed? Are you managing that? Like there's like, you're hundred percent right. There's so many macro factors that need to be taken care of versus like, should you eat a grape or should you eat a piece of watermelon? Um, it's probably not going to make too much of a difference between the two. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, like you said, there is information overload. And when we can start to sort of go back to the basics and release some of that and look at our nutrition as a whole, look at our exercise and our movement as a whole, that's where we can start to feel better and make those changes we can sustain. Mm -hmm. Do you have any final tips, words of advice, anything that you feel like we've missed that you want to cover? Yeah, just to probably reiterate, if you guys haven't got, is to start slow. So as we have spoken here today, or maybe as you take in other information, is like, what is the thing you need to do now? And just focus on one thing. If you had like a bunch of great ideas, write them on a piece of paper and come back to them. But just start with one, just maybe two things so that you can actually start to stay consistent with that. And if you're struggling, that's when you need to get help or encouragement so that you're not stuck in the same spot. I think so many times we don't reach out for help, you know, in different areas of our life. Maybe that's like counseling or something with stress. And we just think that we can do it on our own. But when we actually reach out for help, that is when we start to see a difference because people can see things that we are not seeing ourselves. Mm-hmm. I love that. Are you open doing a quick speed round? Sure. Okay. Awesome. Um, just answer as quickly as possible. First thing that comes to your mind. All right. If you could eat one meal only for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm, it would probably be, it's a tie between nachos or pizza that usually make homemade gluten-free and dairy-free. Okay. <laughs> if you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would it, where would you go? Oh boy. Um, so we just moved out to Phoenix. So I lived in the Midwest the whole time. So we've been discovering like so many places out West. So that has been fun. And that is still like on my bucket list, even to go more like up North to Montana and Wyoming. Um, mm -hmm. so nothing too adventurous, but those are on my bucket list. Okay. What's the best purchase you've made in the last year that cost you under a hundred dollars? 
I got a mattress topper for my mattress because I had a latex one and it kept making me hot as we're talking about changing hormones here. Mm -hmm. Something's changing and I turn into a hot pocket, especially during certain parts of my cycle. So I got a latex one that had holes in it um, and it's helped so much. And then I just sleep better. Like sometimes I would wake up achy if I didn't have a mattress topper. So Mm -hmm. that has definitely been worth it. Okay. Awesome. What's your favorite stress management tool? Deep breathing. I think it's like one Mm. of the easiest things to do when you really learn how to take that deep belly breath. So not from the chest, but from the belly, because you can do it anywhere and it pretty instantly starts to change your physiology. Cause you know, when we're stressed and anxious, we're breathing fast. When we do those slow, deep breaths, it's slowing it down and it changes a bunch of things in your body. Mm-hmm. Do you have any specific count patterns that you like, or is it more just like really feel the belly expand and contract? Yeah. For the most part, I don't count. I mean, I do sometimes, but really nice and slow. And I also like to, when I really want to slow my breath down is to purse my lips and exhale through my lips. Cause you'll probably find that you can slow your exhale down further through your lips than your nose. So I don't always do that through my mouth, but that's a great way to sort of slow it down that exhale down even more. Mm-hmm. I was just reading some studies about, um, for different breathwork exercises. And there's a lot of research that shows that the just five seconds, specifically about five seconds into five seconds out is one of like the best ways to optimize HRV. So if if anybody likes counting out there, I recommend like a five in five out for a basic, super basic one. Yeah. And all that, like, if you've heard of heart math, I don't know if that's where you heard it from, but um, I've done stuff by them and that's what they do, what they recommend too. Yeah. Heart math is awesome. I'm interrupting today's show to share information that will change the way you shop for supplements forever. We all know the convenience of picking up supplements from your local drugstore or even a large retailer. It's easy, it's quick, and it's seemingly affordable. But let's delve beneath the surface here. Did you know that many of these widely accessible supplements can harbor questionable ingredients? harmful additives, artificial fillers, and honestly, subpar quality. This is the unfortunate reality of a market driven by convenience and profits. That's why I stand firmly behind the Fullscript dispensary. This is a sanctuary of supplements handpicked by experts with a relentless commitment to purity and potency. When it comes to your well-being, compromising on quality is just not an option. Every supplement available through Fullscript is rigorously vetted, ensuring you receive only the best. This is actually the same dispensary I use for my personal supplements, and it's where I handpick supplements for all of my clients. As a listener of the Natural Health Rising podcast, when you create an account through my exclusive Fullscript dispensary, you get 15% discount on all supplements. So ditch the subpar supplements and embrace the professional grade quality supplements with Fullscript. To get started, simply go to the Fullscript link in the show notes and make your own account. The 15% savings on premium supplements will automatically be applied to all of your selections. 
And remember, it's always important to talk to a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine practitioner like myself before starting any new supplements. What is one supplement that you could not live without? Probably vitamin D. I've always been low in it. I mean, it's took me a while to put that together, but as long as I am supplementing, my levels stay better, which affects my energy levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find it's very rare that anybody has good vitamin D levels because nobody is outside every single day with bare skin, getting that contact, or maybe they live in a, a place like Montana or Canada, right? And they're not able to get that. So I love vitamin D as a supplement too. Okay. That is the end of the speed round. So go ahead and share, um, where people can find you, anything else you want to share and where they can, how they could work with you as well. Yeah. So, um, you can connect with me more on my podcast, healthy beyond 40, just in any podcast app search from episodes or topics that you are struggling with. Um, and to work with me, I offer online personal training and also health coaching. We sort of set up what you need and really focus on finding a way to feel good, to feel confident about yourself while you're trying to lose weight and get in shape and do it in a way that's healthy and sustainable. So we can connect with my website, just michellereekman.com. And also check out that core challenge too. If you're wondering how to work out your core correctly. Great. We will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on Michelle. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I hope you found this episode informative and left you feeling empowered to take control of your health naturally. As a reminder, the information provided in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness or medical condition. Please consult with a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your diet, exercise routine, supplements, or medical treatment. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Comments and ratings help the show reach more people so that they too can level up their health and entire life holistically. I really appreciate your support and feedback. Before I go, I want to remind you that I work with clients virtually all over the world. So if you are searching for a functional medicine provider to help you uncover the root cause of your health issues and have support and guidance in healing your body through nutrition and lifestyle changes, then you can book a free health consultation with me by using the link in the show notes and we can talk about working together. Thanks for listening and keep striving to become your healthiest, happiest self.